Welcome back to the next episode of the Excelsior podcast. Today I have with us a power-packed ensemble. You know, like, honestly, I've been, many people have been telling me and I've been looking across LinkedIn. I have come across so many events that charge an egregiously high price point for events and they don't have a lot to offer. But one thing which really struck out to me is like, you know, these events are in-person events. So like, do you all think the events are in person because you know the nft is boom during the pandemic and you know people want to have in person interactions and network or is it because community is a core tenet of web3 please feel free to answer any of you all megan if you could begin with you okay so uh, if i'm understanding the question right you want to understand whether these high price points are worthwhile and whether it's community or companies, um, just because I've, I've actually spoken at uh, about 50 plus events this past year, and it's been anything wow. from the smallest community oriented events to the largest tech events in the world, Web3 events and even FinTech events in the world. So I've seen all the different kind of scopes of things. And I really honestly believe that it depends on what you're looking for. It's just such a vast, and so you mentioned Token 2049, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I think it really depends whether you're a company looking for exposure, if you're looking for high net worth or like highly networked contacts, or if you're looking to build community, educate. So since I'm kind of going on all those fronts where I'm working on education, getting women involved, but also my network within the business structure, I think that for people like me, it's worth it. And it all depends on what your goal is really as to what, how, how well that price ticket pays. But one thing that I always think is, you know, how much is it going to take to cover one client or one sale of your product? If it's a high end ticket, or I think that people need to look kind of adjust their thinking um, according to their goals. Wow. Like, you know, very well said. So uh, Zach, like, since you are the, you know, the, community building guru over here like i would like to hear your take on the same i wouldn't say guru i've just like had a lot of experience <laughs> but i appreciate it there's some incredible people that do like a much better job than me but um for me as and when it comes to like price points right just like what megan said you have to understand your target audience right not everyone is going to be able to afford your community or your service so just be very aware and sometimes it's really good to have a niche kind of like a demographic right and just really hone in and focus on that yeah, but, uh, you know, that being said, like, I was also taking a look at the price points of, you know, token 2049. The early bird is for like, I think, if I'm not wrong, it's at around $400 or, you know, something around that $419 or $400. But the all access pass is like almost 10 times that, like 4000 What would you all say, like, you know, uh, say, for example, if I'm a new founder and I bootstrap my venture, I'm counting every dime I make. So... Do y'all think event organizers should, you know, maybe kind of lower their prices for certain events and, you know, maybe that way they can ha have more people attending them? Jacob, Chad, I would like to hear your take on this. Yeah, this is something I'm really torn on because I do think that at some of these conferences, some of the panels that are put together and the programming is really good. I would say most times, though, the prices don't match up to what the direct conference is providing. I will say though, 
the meetings surrounding the conferences that happen outside of the conference, that's where you get your real value. So as a founder, if I'm coming into one of these conferences, I would just get the bare bones pass, but just try to figure out a way to be really good at networking and connect with people that I really want to touch base with outside of those um, panels and, and the actual conference, because that's where like the real conversations happen. I feel like these like one-off dinners where there's 15 or 20 people um, and you have people with all different backgrounds or, um, you know, maybe it's like a, a custom activation it's invite only like that's really where I think all the business is happening in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I don't know if the actual conference can warrant the prices that they're charging. And I think it, it's gotten a little bit ridiculous, but, um, but I do see value in the things that are happening surrounding it. Chad, I would like to hear your take, like you come from a, you know, a technical background. So what do you think of that? Like this whole, you know, price point thing in general. I, I must say, I think I agree with Jacob on this. Um, it is about the value that you're getting out of it. Um, and it also depends on who your target audience is. If you're talking to massive companies um, and it's basically a business networking event, then the price tends to make sense. Um, but for the average person, um, then it really doesn't make sense anymore. And like Jacob says, then you get the bare bones pass and it's all about networking. And that's what a lot of these events are about. Um, but it really does come down to what are you getting out of it in terms of the event itself? Because, I mean, you can also network outside of the event. You don't have to go to an event. Um, and I have been to a couple of events that were honestly horrendous. Um, the value I got out of the event itself was terrible, but I planned to meet other people there where I could um, learn some things and maybe network a little bit, and that was maybe worth me going. Uh, so I think... I think a lot of these conferences are very overvalued. They put too much value on a ticket, um, but hopefully we can see those prices normalize. I don't think people are going to go for these massive $4,000 ticket prices for a very long time unless they get the things that come with really successful networking events. Um, yeah. Right. So since we're already talking about trends here, what are some trends that you have noticed in the Web3 in the past two years? And what do you feel is going to be the future? Like, what are the trends that you are seeing evolving right now from uh, the pandemic situation to now, like the post-pandemic scenario? What, what are your takes? I'll I jump in here really quickly. Um, yeah, so I think for the past two years, the word community has been a buzzword, right? And it's only recently that people are actually trying to appreciate what a community genuinely is. And especially on the LinkedIn platform, which is hugely underestimated for being a great community building tool for web free, live events are really picking up and really kicking off, right? So comparing it to in real life conferences where you have to pay X amount of dollars to get in, you host a live event for LinkedIn, you invite as many people as you can, they help you spread the word, you've got a couple hundred people people in the room and you have a nice discussion, an open discussion, and it's the best form of being able to network. And in my opinion, it's a really good tactic for anyone who wants to build community because it allows you to like kind of get out of your comfort zone. You can either have your camera on or go on a LinkedIn audio, just like a Twitter space, right? But what happens is 
these profiles for LinkedIn, essentially they're dots. So you know who these people are. You're able to check out their experiences and their backgrounds. And you can select, just like what we're having right now, you can actually have a panel discussion live, but you can get the audience involved in it at the same time. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of communities do is when they are going to like their build up process around the launch of their collection for example they host a consistent stream of live events where they invite industry key opinion kind of leaders or whatever you want to call them to come and like share their kind of like um, information and the knowledge that they have because it's adding value to your community everyone would pay for education right and sometimes it's good to I mean if not all the time it's good to give that education out for free because then you're inspiring people the more you can inspire people the bigger a community you will grow so live events all day versus in conference events in person conference events for me if I would say so myself just because I feel like you can get a lot more done from a computer rather than walking around and trying to network. So, you know. Right. So we're wearing our name tags on our experience right there. Yeah. So anybody else? I, I think Chad wants to say something. See, I must agree with Zach. I think uh, communities haven't been used to their fullest extent. Um, over the last two years. And I'm hoping that along with communities, um, people start to build products around these communities that actually bring value to them. They solve their problems, they make their lives better, they bring them some kind of happiness. Um, and I think now that the hype has died down a little bit and the focus is less about how much is Bitcoin worth or how much is this NFT worth, people are gonna start focusing on what's actually important. And that is basically just solving problems and bringing value to people and i think that'll continue uh now for the foreseeable future um yeah absolutely what do you feel jacob yeah i think one trend that i'm seeing this is more specific to nfts um is that i think that from a user adoption standpoint we're just not there yet i think there's definitely been a, a huge increase in adoption of, of using nfts i think that nfts um, the technology powering NFTs will start to come into other industries. And I think that um, that will help with user adoption, but we're just not there yet. And I think that one thing that will help um, a lot of people, more people that aren't as essentially like tech enthusiasts or familiar with digital wallets or whatever it may be, um, help them kind of adopt this new technology is um, pairing a, a, a digital product with a physical product. Um, I think that most of the projects out now um, that are just digital, you're seeing kind of a huge decrease in demand and overall price. And that, that's obviously, um, there are other factors contributing to that broader market factors. But I think that people will really start to understand maybe how to interact with some of these digital products if there's a physical item attached to it. Um, so I just think that any company moving forward that's going to launch a digital product, whether it's a piece of art, um, or, or a community, um, you know, will need to have some sort of physical item to help kind of bolster and help people understand and really see the true value of that project. So that's probably one trend that I'm seeing as well. But, you know, on the same note, like Jacob, like, actually, Megan, I would like to direct this question to you as well. Do you all think to ensure mass adoption, keeping it simple is the key? Because even today, people don't know what the metaverse is. They, okay, they're like metaverse. Where's a VR headset? Where's the augment, augmented reality? Like they are not fully aware of, you know, what 
web3 essentially encapsulates so would you all say like keeping it simple would be the way to go or how should we go about this to ensure mass adoption megan if yeah, you could start yeah. with you yeah i have something to say yeah it kind of ties into what i think is the up and coming trend or how things are shifting and that um yeah everything needs to be easier more accessible and much more simple and one of these another trend that i think we'll be doing is how they um, you guys were all saying okay we're doing the linkedin spaces or the twitter spaces a lot of virtual stuff well now we're also seeing a lot more metaverse events and when i say metaverse i mean people think of so many things my envision for the, my vision for the metaverse has always been a seamless bridge between the physical and the digital right so like one of the examples is i just hosted on super bowl sunday this past sunday the red carpet of a high-end fashion event for New York Fashion Week for Vivian Tam in the metaverse. And what it was, was actually just, it was powered by, by Vatom, the technology Vatom. And it was a mere image of what was happening physically replicated there in the metaverse. And we could also talk to people who are there physically through portals in the metaverse. So basically there were everybody from all around and we were all able to interact in the same space, so to speak, by one click of a button. There were no goggles. It was not complicated. My dad even got in there. So then we know by that metric that that's what we should be doing. I mean, simple things that get people used to and accustomed to this. And actually that form is much more immersive than anything else that I've seen. And maybe that's the answer to not having such high ticket sale prices, right? Actually being able to provide that same sort of experience and the same networking possibility, but through these virtual realms, uh, making it simple at the same time. So that's one trend I see coming into this year. I couldn't agree more. Like, you know, like the fact that you mentioned even, you know, your father went into it and, you know, like he also enjoyed it. That speaks wonders about how, you know, the whole ideation and the whole strategy was about it. Jacob, like, you know, like, you know, taking it back to you, would you like say simplicity is the key or would you say like, you know, uh, are there any other factors which we should consider when it comes to mass adoption in general for Web3? Yeah, I would, I would say user experience is at the top of my list in terms of getting people to adopt this new technology. I think that privacy and safety as well is another big priority, making people feel safe. There's been so much money stolen, hacked, um, accounts hacked. You know, I, I feel like maybe probably everyone on this call is maybe even interacted with some form of, of you know, a, a bad actor um, on the platform or on any of these platforms, whether it's crypto or NFTs, um, or even in the metaverse too, you know, you have people that are, you know, acting um, not the way that they should act, right? So I think privacy is another big area where a lot of these platforms need to double down on. I think that um, if you look at taking a step back even further, there's a lot of regulation that's probably going to come over the next year or two uh, from the government as it relates to um, cryptocurrency specifically. And then in addition, as it relates to the metaverse, you know, a lot of these platforms can have the power to control and and shape the way that behavior, you know, happens within, within their walls. Um, so yeah, so I would say user experience for sure. And then um, privacy and safety is, is another big thing for me. You know, like, uh, I'm glad, like, you know, y'all mentioned, like, content creation and community have, like, I think, like, Zach mentioned, community has become a buzzword, essentially. And if, like, if you just scout LinkedIn, you will see, like, every other person in Web3 is becoming a content creator. So do you all think, like, Web3 has propelled content creation in general, not just on LinkedIn, but also on 
other platforms is essentially so that founders can stand out or like i don't know like is there any other reason which comes to your mind in general zack starting with you if you could, could you please. rephrase the question a little bit just so i can understand a little bit better yeah so if you just scout linkedin you'll see like every other web3 founder has become a content yeah. creator so like would you say web3 has propelled content creation in general or like has it been the case on linkedin and twitter from you know before web3 took off as a, and i love to tell this story as it relates specifically to linkedin we can thank um gary vaynerchuk massively for it right um if we roll back to just before he launched v friends as a collection everybody knows every single platform gary and his team absolutely dominate he's always had a very large presence on the linkedin platform but he went out of his way just before the whole creation of v friends and he let his audience know this is what NFTs are. This is why you should get involved and spend the next 40 to 60 hours researching NFTs. Then he went completely silent for like, I think it was like a week or two. I know that his team was still producing content, but he didn't actually like do any personalized content himself. Then he came out with vFriends and started dropping so much alpha and education as it relates to NFTs to a point where the algorithm on the LinkedIn platform began, and this is a conspiracy theory, right? Even though I do work with the web free team for LinkedIn, they refuse to confirm this. But ever since Gary's been dropping information as it relates to NFTs, the algorithm has been um, promoting NFT related content, right? So if you had, for example, 10,000 connections that you've been able to generate over the period of 10 years, and you would normally put out a post and you don't really get a high amount of engagement, you probably get two to three likes, four to five comments. If you were to write about NFTs or web free or the metaverse instantly, regardless of who you are, you're going to start seeing a massive rise in engagement. The same thing that happened with AI and chat GPT a couple of months ago. I had connections that I've been connected with for a year. I haven't seen any content from them. And all of a sudden they're putting content out and they're getting a massive engagement boost. So to answer your question, Omkar, I think people love free education. They love to give education as well. And because of the fact that platforms are prioritizing certain key trends on their platform, it incentivizes individuals to release this content. Because anytime you have good engagement on your posts, you're generating more relationships. Some people, they do it for the vanity metrics, but other people, they genuinely do it to put out good education. So shout out Gary V. <laughs> yeah gary is the man <laughs> so uh chad i would like to hear your take on this because i've been noticing you also have been posting a lot i mean not just you even jacob like i think jacob had a post a few days back where he mentioned that you know one question which i would like i mean like, like i'm just paraphrasing over here forgive me jacob if i you know if i like if i'm not exactly quoting what you what you said but uh if i if i think the broad idea was something like this if I'm just starting out in Web3, how do I begin? So I really like that post of yours. So anyways, uh, going back to uh, Chad. Chad, what do you think? I think, yeah, Masa, there has been a massive rise in people creating content about LinkedIn. I mean, about Web3 um, and the various uh, subjects around it. Uh, and I think it has definitely become harder to stand out 
um, and a lot of founders have started creating content, but I think it's great. Honestly, it really, in the past, I've tried a couple of ventures and I had no authority on the subject because I never posted anything online. I built a product um, and then when it comes to launch, you get no traction because you you haven't built a relationship with people. And it comes back to what, what Zach said, it's about having relationships. Um, had if I fast forward now and I try and create a product, the, it'll be vastly different how it is received and the traction on the project. Um, and it creates a lot more trust and mutual respect amongst communities uh, with this content being created because people are more educated. People uh, feel that they have a connection to you and it's much easier to sell a product, especially if it is valuable in that context. Um, so I'm very excited about it. Um, I just think people need to try and focus on education, try and focus on the things that are important, such as creating value for others, whatever form that may come in. Um, it just it mustn't be around hype and things like that. It must be focused on how can we get these people to help us create a better community or financial system, anything like that for the future. Um, yeah. Right. So I would like to ask a question some related to creator economy. Like how does creator economy play into Web3 and has it affected where we are today? In terms of the finances, do you feel that creator economy is the reason why Metaverse is still, Metaverse or anything, anything Web3 related is still ongoing or is still getting the same hype or similar hype? I think the hype started with the content creators in this particular movement and bridged out to the big guys and the big outlets. And that's the big difference. Before the information was being fed from the people at the top, the big corporations, all of that. But this was one of the first instances in which people within the movement, and I'm talking about our inner Web3 circle, you know, I'm in Board Ape Yacht Club and World of Women and Doodles and all the NFTs. And just like watching them form from the very beginning from where before there was hype, before there was any knowledge about them and watching the community kind of like branch around it, start doing spaces, start, you know, like educating themselves on it outside of those brands. You know, like I think the Yuga community has educated each other much more than the actual Yuga brands. And so that for me is what I see here. I see people actually within the space creating most of the, almost all of the knowledge and the content and then it kind of branching outward toward the brands, toward the bigger outlets. Right. So talking about creators, let's talk to Jacob about music, music, like how musicians have added to this area. And what do you feel? Are they undervalued? Is music still undervalued in this field? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I just want to call out, too, that all the answers before me were really great. And I agree with everyone on just the general content creation um, shift and we're just seeing so much content being created but i think it's it's really beneficial to the space um going back to your question about music i think that music is a great industry uh where i think that this form of technology is going to disrupt the most and and it won't happen right away but it's definitely happening early um and i think over time it will start to play a massive impact um on the overall space but yeah, I think we're seeing musicians as creators, right? They're creating um, music for us to enjoy. Um, they are now being able to kind of speed up the process for getting their music out there and, and being able to fund themselves without 
either having to like take a loan or go to a music label. Um, a perfect example is an artist. If you look at kind of the traditional way that an artist would release music and kind of start to build their fan base, right? They would have to either, you know, work with the label or put in their own money um, to invest in, you know, renting out the studio space, creating the production, um, dealing with the, the art of the, the um, album. Um, all of these elements cost money, right? And, and as a kind of an up and coming musician who doesn't have a large fan base, who isn't pumping ticket sales or merch sales into, um, you know, uh, spending money on, on helping them do that, these artists, um, it's, a, it's really tough for them to, to gain any traction. So um, yeah, the traditional way is being kind of put on its head. Now you as an artist, if you have a you know, decent fan base, small fan base, you could get a hundred people to spend 50 bucks with you and buy this NFT that you've created. And now that money can be used to fund, um, you know, creating your project and investing in your project. And, and the artist not only has, you know, created this revenue stream that will be consistent for them because they're getting the primary sales of that NFT. And then also the secondary sales, people buying and selling, um, you, you know, you can now produce the music and, and release your project. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of different use cases where NFTs and blockchain technology will further enhance uh, the creator economy and just be kind of like the great equalizer in a way. It will allow creators to obtain more of the value, right? When you think of a, a standard content creator, a lot of these platforms are taking their percentage, right? Um, Meta, um, YouTube, Snapchat, whatever, they're taking their 20 to 50% of you know, the, the impressions um, that these content creators are, are driving for those platforms. Um, so, so yeah, so I think in conclusion, I think two things. One, um, will drive better value for creators. Um, and then two, I love that um, this space is, is helping um, voices that haven't been heard, um, helping people from all different backgrounds and perspectives, um, one, get more of their content out there, but two, get paid in the way that they should. You know, I think that there, um, you know, a lot of different groups of people are being um, treated differently, and I think they're being paid differently. And I think that this creating content in this space, this technology is going to help kind of equalize that um, and, and really allow people to be treated a bit more fairly and a bit more equally. That's awesome. That's such a great insight. So Megan, I would like to ask you a little bit more about your work with the uh, Women in Web3 and how has it been and uh, what are the things that you've already done and what are the things that you're coming up with? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on what Jacob was saying because I also love the music side and that like the first, I'm launching a podcast in a couple of weeks and my first two guests are Spotty Wi-Fi, who's a, a crypto punk rapper in Board of Yacht Club and Scott Page from the band Pink Floyd. And one of the things we both talked about was the thousand true fan theory. And that's like, you know, when you really work your, your fan base up and we talked about how Spotty made 60 ETH in 60 seconds, right? And so if 200, if uh, 200 true, like they spend, a th sorry, a thousand people spend $200 on you throughout the course of a year, you're a six figure artist. That's insane, yep. right? Like when, when else have these artists been able, indie artists can start to make a really decent living now. So I think that was really amazing of you to, to bring up and I like that focus. And it also bridges into what I'm, I'm working on too, to get more representation for women in Web3 and, and get them to come out and actually embrace these roles. Because uh, I started out high-end consulting in crypto. I managed my own portfolio. And then I started giving lectures. I was in, I've been in crypto for many years and I started giving lectures to our 
country club here in Spain. And it was predominantly middle-aged men, white men, like no diversification of thing. And that was fine, you know, and, and it was more high-end consulting and they started getting into it, wanted me to consult for their portfolios. And then I started turning to their wives saying like you and I can do our own thing too you know because I know that a lot of women especially in my community here where I live in Marbella Spain they depend on the on their husbands um, or they're not working or they don't really they feel that you know a lot of them are uncomfortable with that situation and so when we start to have the talk and their face lights up about wow what, what's really possible here not just in the investing side but working uh, finding a community feeling like you're fitting in and then standing taking your space and coming forward and saying okay I'm gonna try this for a lot of women, that's really hard because traditionally they haven't filled those roles. And I, I've had this experience now over the past year, speaking to many, many women in many panels, and they feel like maybe they only have one shot, like they can't fail because it's the first time they get to step up for this kind of role. And so there's a, you know, there's a lot of dynamics going on around that. And I just want to show women that, you know, it's it's possible to to just do it. And it doesn't matter if you fail, you just got to put yourself out there and have the courage and just you know, fulfill your true potential in this space. And so it's been really special to be able to kind of guide that movement. Um, and I just did a, an interview for March 8, which is the, the magazine behind me. And I was featured on the cover, which was such an honor for me because this is literally everything to me is, is just showing them that, you know, they can do anything they want to do and um, forming those communities. And it's been really special to be able to also educate. And I think like, you know, Tim Draper is going to be a guest on my podcast as well. And he was the one who said women are going to fuel the next bull run, <laughs> not just because of spending power, but also because of, you know, how many women are going to start to get involved for the first time in this kind of sector in this way. So I think so it's going to be really cool. Totally agree. Totally agree. So do you think that education is enough to add that next billion users here or do we need something more apart from just education? Uh, was that, okay, I'll just, I'll just start since it kind of tailors off to what I was saying before and that education is so important, but in, in different ways than people might think of education. First, what obviously, what is Web3? Where do you fit in? Where do you want to work? What does this mean? There's so many questions about getting involved and then there's also investing, you know, uh, getting to know what a smart contract is, how to buy an NFT. But as far as mass adoption, I believe that, you know, back to what Jacob said, and many people already today, we need it to be easy. We need the UX to be better. We need things to be simple. And one of the prime examples of the people I've spoken to about this is Ivan from MoonPay. You know, his whole concept was, okay, I want to make a wallet where the wallet also acts as your bank account. Because asking user to set up a bank account transfer the money to Binance, then go on to another. It's like kind of like an all-in-one thing. So it's not such a big ask from a user for the first time if they just use their credit card. And I think that's along the right line of thinking, even though many people in Web3 are against it because it's got its centralized component. I really believe there has to be a hybrid option available in order to get the masses starting to use it. That's- you know, like, Yeah, so I love- Okay, I'm ready to- so oh, Go ahead, Omkar. Go ahead, Omkar. Thank you. Uh, so like, you know, uh, since you all mentioned education, the thing is with regards to get, like, you know, when I started working in Web3, okay, now I, I started like, you know, my interest in Web3 peaked specifically when the NFTs boomed. So I'm like, okay, let's take a look what NFTs are. Okay, wait, now I need to know how a block, what a blockchain is. Okay, now I need to know what this is. Now I need to know what that is. Like, you have to go down the rabbit hole into deep. And I think like, 
for each person is different when it comes to educating yourself i haven't found like one single place where you know everything is consolidated and you know so that like for a generic person doesn't know anything about web3 they have to take a look at either coin bureau they have to take a look at these other youtube channels maybe you know read books like blockchain for dummies or something like that so do you all think that maybe consolidating everything together and creating a repository of the basics of web3 will help mass adoption in general because at least from my limited experience i haven't seen a consolidated repository which covers everything in general so jacob is you know starting with you yeah you know i have a little bit of a different perspective here i, I think that if you take a look at the way things are adopted and and the way you get a lot of people using a certain product it, it really has to get ingrained into our everyday lives so an example of this for nfts um is like within music right when when all music tickets become nfts and you have to buy the ticket as an nft and use that at the stadium or at the event like that you know and and you know buy you know download the wallet and have that user experience like that is ingrained into your everyday life and and any music fan is going to have to do that right so i actually think that while education is important um i think that the the mass adoption is really going to come from different companies that already have an existing audience and their ability to hopefully do a great job of integrating the technology and the education into an existing product. Another example of this would be like for, for Instagram, right? There's a couple billion users, they just allowed the functionality for you to share your NFTs. There's going to be a marketplace probably at some point. Um, you know, that's an existing technology and and there is onus on Instagram to educate their user and customer base on what an NFT is, what a wallet is. So so they and they already have that that attention, right? So um in my opinion i think that some of these larger platforms that already have the attention of of a large audience it, you know the onus is going to kind of almost be on on them to help uh people understand what they need to do you know fun fact uh you mentioned like ingraining like these things into your everyday life i think i was having conversation with radhika itself i think a week prior i was saying the best way to ensure mass adoption is to take these things and you know say for example you're buying a snickers bar they have a qr code you scan it you get a free nft but on availing the nft you get one more bar something as simple as that because people love free shit you know pardon my you know uh, this thing swearing in general but uh, yeah i mean okay anyway that's a story for another day <laughs> so uh, shifting like you know gears zach i wanted to ask you like you know this is actually for zach and chad and like megan like uh, megan and uh, jake please feel, feel free to jump in for anyone who's just starting out in web3 like who doesn't know anything at all where would you all say like they should begin should they start making a product learn by building or should they like you know read up first or like do both things in tandem i know this is a very basic question but i have seen people you know they are in a state of two minds shall i read up first shall i understand how it is or shall i read up and build something while you know so that i get both theoretical and practical knowledge So please, like starting with you, Zach. 
it goes back to when we were all in school, right? We would not just go straight into an exam and not have any knowledge and try to complete the test, right? You have to take the time to learn exactly what's going on. And it goes back to what I said about 20 minutes ago about Gary Vee telling his audience, take 40 to 60 hours to learn, right? And there's two incredible places where anyone can learn for free. One's Google, that's G-O-O-G-L-E, in case you don't know what it is, it's a great platform. And the other one is going on to YouTube, right? From these two platforms, you can source whatever information you need. You don't need to specifically hire someone or attend a course or a masterclass. Like they're all great. It's really good when people are able to monetize their education and I'm all for it, but start by just asking questions, right? Ask as many questions. And then after you've done a couple of hours of research, jump into communities. The number one way that you're really going to be able to learn how you can successfully launch your own brand in the web free space is getting involved in communities. And this is what I loved about the Into the Metaverse adoption by Adidas, right? Um, their creative team, they purchased the board Ape, they got involved in the community, they began the networking, they asked for people within the board Ape community to help advise on their project. And then they did a massive launch and it was incredible it was successful it was a lot better than what pepsi did with the microphone in my opinion right but it was like that was the right way to do it because they asked the experts essentially the people who live and breathe this industry every single day how should we do this so the people around you and the information that you can gain access to for free is is completely vital right absolutely that makes sense so Let's talk a little bit more about the specifics and all the financial aspect of all these things. For a brand, would pivoting be a better option or diversification when it come when they come to uh, come to a place where they don't where the where their users are not increasing or they've come to a standstill of sorts? Uh, would Chad like to answer? Oh, very much. Um, so I think it depends on where you are in your stage of your business, right? Um, if you're just starting out, uh, often it's just pivot month after month. You're pivoting all the time because you're trying to find your product market fit. You're trying to see what is most important to your users. What issues are they experiencing? How can we help them? Um, I think diversification is something that tends to help companies that have a little bit more of a consistent revenue stream. Uh, they're focusing on uh, maybe adding value to what they already offer. Um, but both of them have their merits, right? Um, like I think in Web3, I, I think we've missed a lot of the just trying to provide real value to people. We've Some companies have provided some awesome value in the form of communities. Uh, others have created new financial products. Uh, but I think the key is to focus on the needs of your customers or your users and determine what they need. Sometimes it will come down to a pivot. Other times it will be, okay, maybe a new feature or maybe it'll be a new product altogether that complements what you already offer. Uh, but I think the key, and I think it comes back to what uh, Zach was saying about getting involved in communities and stuff is what is the feedback you're getting and how can that play into the value you need to provide? Right. So adding on to a follow-up a follow question to that, does that affect an investor's decision as to where to, where to make an investment? Until I'll what jump is in here. That's, 
yeah, it's it's kind of tricky, right? Because at the moment there's like this this massive craze of everyone trying to get a VC or an angel investor to invest in their ideas that they have. But nine times out of ten, you may not need an investor. And this is just my personal opinion, right? Like if you have the passion and you've got the grit to be able to build a community, build the relationships, the community will be able to fund whatever project that you need. And too many people are really focused on trying to get the attention of investors. There's so many people online that they're putting out these massive data sheets with a list of investors and how to target them. Like it puts me off. It makes me really sick and I feel bad for these investors, right? Because at the end of the day, if they have a genuine interest, they will reach out to you. You don't need to bombard these people because they are human beings at the end of the day. Yes, it's their business to invest, but it's just like, I think whatever decision an investor makes, it doesn't really um, get twisted by the way that people are building because I come from the school of thought that investors invest in people and not um, products, right? Um, so many people can think, the opposite but that's just how i see it because as i like to say a lot people don't buy products they buy people so and it like if i may just continue it rolls back to what jacob was talking about the music industry right there's there's an incredible business right now called even.biz and they're allowing businesses they're allowing artists to go direct to consumer and giving their fans the opportunity to buy from the artist before it hits the streaming platforms right and that's super powerful and if you have a look at like people like dill even spotty wi-fi violetta zaroni um daniel allen there's so many to name these individuals they grinded on on twitter spaces right on building communities for hours and hours and hours until they had the opportunity to release something that would allow their fans essentially in their community to help them grow. And in essence, they've become part of the musicians. So yeah, but I could probably talk about music NFTs like forever. So maybe Jacob, we can have a conversation later, <laughs> but, but yeah, cool. Yeah, so, you know, like, uh, I think this seems like a good note to end on. Like, you know, one final question, which I would like to ask all of y'all in general is, what advice will you give to someone who's just starting out in this space? Like, I know Jacob had this whole post on it. So, like, you know, if y'all, I would like to hear everyone's take on it. So please, like, starting with you, Megan. Can you repeat if you're getting started in Web3? Yeah, like, if you're just starting out in Web3, like, what advice would you give to that person? Yeah, I think what everybody's been saying is great about just looking just looking into everything first on Google, what terms mean, what the broader sense of it is, it, going through YouTubes. The only problem is with beginners, sometimes they don't have the proper filter to understand what's basically bullshit and what's not. And that's the only thing that I, I kind of like come into question. But I then would say, after you get this general idea, look for people in the community that are leading the community and constantly giving good information, building the reputation and showing you that there's somebody that you can trust. And that's been my strategy in this throughout this whole movement. And, and since I've started is, you know, showing that I'm here throughout the bear mark, throughout the depths of, you know, whatever's going on to be there for the community and to help bring that relevant information. And I think that's also 
you know, what strengthens their knowledge is knowing, you know, where to find good sources of information and consistent sources. So Twitter spaces are amazing. Um, get, and then from there, maybe getting into the discords of community or private chats. I'm in one private chat called Bluminati um, for World of Women. It's all the blue World of Women. And actually, Hello Sunshine is in there. That's Reese Witherspoon's production company. And, you know, just like I think it was you, Jacob, who was talking about the brands are doing the, the good brands, what they're going to do is get involved in the community to get the guidance before they have the conversation. And that's been also what I've been working on. I think brands will onboard the next 300 million users, but they only will do it in the proper way if they consult with the people that have the right knowledge. And so hopefully we can all contribute to make this movement more meaningful and do it much more impactful and, and more seamlessly than if they were to do it on their own from the outside in, right? So Google, YouTube, community, um, you know, and just follow the creators that you love. And just as a, you know, I did mention earlier that I'm launching my podcast in a couple of weeks to host industry leaders and celebrities in Web3 who are looking to get involved. And my goal is that people who are not in the inner Web3 circle, because this is one last thing I'll say, a lot of normal, normal mainstream people who I see because I interact with both communities, they are just, it's just such a large disconnect between what they understand and hear and what we do. And I believe that there needs to be a bridge. So my goal is through this entertaining information with you know, their favorite celebrity or their favorite person who's doing things in Web3, maybe pique their interest and then they'll start to learn from there, so. Wow, very well articulated. So uh, moving on to you, Chad, like I would like to hear your perspective coming from a technical background. Like what is your advice to people who are just starting out? I think specifically from an entrepreneurial and business perspective, I think the right call is to con connect directly with founders and people running companies. They're running startups, they're building products in the space, um, but particularly ones that are have a long-term vision. They see the technology as a way to make a better world, to create better products, um, to solve problems, and not people who are focused on price points or hype and things like that. They really, they're building for the next 10 to 20 years. Um, those are the people I have learned the most from. Uh, they have wonderful insights. They share, they have great technical and uh, marketing knowledge as well. They understand the communities and what they're actually trying to do and what is possible. Um, so I really like the personal connection. Um, with like the people on this call um, where they're really stuck in and they they themselves are learning by doing um, as a, at the same time as they're trying to provide value to other people uh, and that that would be yeah that would be my ideal over to you jacob yeah um loved everything that megan and chad just said totally agree with both um both perspectives i i think Maybe this is more, this isn't as tactical, but more around mindset. Um, I think that anyone that's interested in this space um, has the opportunity to become something big in this space and, and has the opportunity to put their own touch on this space, right? The, the general ethos of this Web3 movement is, is really like building community and allowing everybody to, to contribute and work together. And I feel like what one thing I love about this space is compared to a lot of other industries, everyone wants to help each other, right? So I think education is important, but I think that um, maybe my biggest piece of advice is like, if you're trying to get into this space, figure out what unique skills and strengths you've gained from either 
um, being within this space or being in a different industry? How can you use that to further enhance um, the Web3 movement? How can you use your own unique experience and background to develop a perspective that maybe people aren't talking about? This, this, this space is so new. Um, so, and, and I think that's something that I've tried to do, right? Like most of my experiences is on the, the marketing and digital advertising side. And I think that there's a lot of parallels in what's going on. I think marketing is really important. Um, so I'm trying to use my existing knowledge and expertise and then have the lens of understanding what the foundational elements of, of this new space is. So, um, so yeah, I think my piece of advice is more around mindset and just figuring out what it is you bring to the table from your background and experience and your existing learnings and, and applying that and, and helping um, enhance the movement, helping develop new perspectives and just joining in on the conversation. Oh, that was like very well said, like, you know, finding out what you bring to the table. So uh, Zach, you know, we would like to hear you close also, you know, with, by essentially by you giving your take on this. Well, the three of our co-panelists absolutely crushed that answer, you know, so everything that they said is going to be my answer and for sure um, connect with the three of them and jump onto Megan's podcast and check that out. I'm excited to see that for sure. Um, just like what Chad said, being able to network is absolutely powerful. Every Friday um, at 1.15 p.m. Eastern time, we host a networking kind of session on my LinkedIn audio where it can go on for a few hours but I hand select individuals who in my opinion are crushing it and they're doing really well and it's just an opportunity for them to leverage my network and everything that I've built for them to like pitch their services and their business and their podcasts and all of this stuff to my network because I've I've done a very good job of building up true engagement and this is why I think my business is very successful because I speak to every single person that I connect with. Every single time I generate a new connection on whatever platform, I ask them, hey, and so here's my Zoom link if or my Calendly link, right? Feel free to book in a call. Even if it isn't going to lead anywhere, it really is because you get to be inspired by every single new person that you speak to. So my recommendation would be to every single new person entering this space, please try to dedicate one hour a week as a minimum where you speak to new people either in person or on Zoom, right? It could be just the one person for an hour, or it could be three or four people in that one hour, but you will have no idea how much of a positive impact that's going to do to your journey in this space. That is so well, true. I'm sorry, Radhika. Well, Zach, like you said, everyone here crushed it. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me borrowing your catchphrase. So, uh, yeah, Radhika, I started from you. Gary V. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that the reason me and Omkar, we are able to co-host this episode is because we met through Zach on that. Oh, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Zach. And uh, yeah, well, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. Like, I really appreciate it. I know I think we kind of overshot the duration which I had in mind, essentially, but the conversation was flowing on so well. So I just... I was really tempted. So apologies from my side. So uh, thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to having you all again. And uh, that's it from my side. Radhika, would you like to add anything? I just have to say thank you so much. And I think this is a good welcome to me for, to, into the community officially. 
So it just feels great to be here and it's so great to learn from each and every one of you and hopefully a little bit more of learning would happen uh, because all of you come from slightly different fields and this would really help all the listeners to get an idea of what you all do and how they can also do better in, the, in, this, in these fields. And those were the fireworks. So I think this is, how, this is very close. And thank you both for allowing us uh, a space to talk about something we're passionate about. It's been really fun and exciting and um, we just appreciate you helping build community in that way. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you.